open to chapter 3 of Ephesians. And this morning we'll be looking at the last half of chapter 3 and uh, verses 14 through 21. This is Paul's intercessory prayer for the Ephesians. And, of course, this is for us as well. This is a prayer that is inspired by the Holy Spirit. Uh, and so listen to it as, as I read it. Because uh, Paul has his whole heart in this prayer for them. As our whole heart should be in prayer for those that we pray for. And so... Listen to God's word. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, To him be the glory in the church and in Jesus Christ to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Wow. (laughs) What a a grand uh, prayer. And uh, our prayers need to be more like Paul's. And This prayer is power-packed. It's impossible to uh, uh, unwrap everything that's here. Uh, But Paul reveals to these Ephesians in this prayer what he is praying in regards uh, to them. Paul doesn't say just, I'm praying for you and go on with his, his, uh, his message and how he wants to instruct them. But uh, he's more specific than that. He's very specific in what he's saying. And we need to be specific in our prayers. We need not say to somebody, I'll pray for you. The best thing to do is, how may I pray for you is a good way to do it. Paul knew these Ephesians. He knew what was going on in their lives. And if you look at the different prayers of Paul... To the, to the Philippians or the Colossians or the whomever, they were different because the needs of the people were different. And so we need to learn the, the different needs of, of those in, in our church as well so we can pray specifically. And, uh, but this is deep and high and wide, and, uh, and all we can say is, wow. I mean, that's, that's where I... Uh, what I said, what a wonderful doxology at the end of it, is it not? And I love doxologies. We need to be singing more doxologies ourselves to God. 
uh, memorize them if you want to or make them up as you sing. All praise to thee, O Lord. I mean, you can make them up and really coming from your heart. And this is what Paul is doing here. Uh, he lets them know the things that he's praying for. And he does this uh, in several ways that I want to bring out uh, to you this morning. First of all, uh, he is exhorting them. First of all, he is exhorting them. Uh, he's letting these saints know what they need to work on, what they need to be praying for themselves about, what they need to be striving for as far as their godliness and holiness uh, in this church. And this is a prayer for us then, isn't it? It's not just to the Ephesians, but this is to us everywhere. Uh, and we need to be more specific. And we need to listen to what people uh, say to us as well. If somebody comes up to me, for instance, and said, uh, Pastor said, uh, I'm praying that God would make you more humble. Now, I could take that in two different ways. I could be proud and, and puffed up and say to myself, I don't need to be prayed for. I'm humble enough. Well, that would be a lie because we all need to work on humility. So what I should say is, thank you. Pre please pray because we all need to be more humble. So that's a good request. And we need to be praying for each other uh, just that way. Uh, we need to learn to walk uh, in humility and, uh, and to not only that, but to seek. We need to be seeking those things for which we pray for. You know, it's easy, isn't it, to just pray, uh, say, Lord, uh, make me strong in the faith. Well, then do we seek to be strong in the faith? Uh, what was uh, the psalmist said in Psalm 27.4? One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek. See, he asked, but he seeks for it. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. Is that our desire? See, not only does the psalmist say, okay, I ask this of you, Lord, but not only that, he seeks for it. See, there's, there's, you can ask for something and just flippantly say, uh, Lord, make me more powerful. But boy, I tell you what, you better be careful about how you ask for things from the Lord. Lord, make me more humble. Ooh, that may not be pretty. I mean, you may be asking to go through a lot of things that will, that is going to take to make you humble. Uh, but we need to be praying always, Lord, make me more like Christ. Make me more like Christ because it's all about Him. And not neglect the means of grace that He's given us to get there, which is Scripture itself and prayer. Attendance at church, fellowship. So our prayers won't just be insincere and maybe even hypocritical. Uh, you know, because God knows, doesn't he, when we mean it. 
And by the way, you do too. <laughs> Have you ever prayed insincerely? All the time. But really, if you know somebody who is lost, who does not know Christ, you ought to pray pleading to God with tears. Pouring your heart out to God. God, open this man or this woman or my, my daughter's heart. Because he hears such prayers. We need to mean business with God. And yet it's so easy in our prayers to say, you know what? He hasn't answered my prayers. So it's his fault. That's a cop out. It's his fault. No, were we really sincere when we asked for it? You know, there are those that pray for a partner, a mate, a husband or a wife. Really pray for it and yet never seek one. Never go out. Or if they go out, they go out to bars or whatever looking for a mate. They don't, they don't search for their mate in the church, you see. And so our prayers need to be sincere and looking in the right places. Uh, what did Paul say? What is the proof of sincerity? What is the proof of Philippians 2.12 says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. See, that's the proof of your sincerity is you're working out. Not working for, but you're working through it. You're working. You're seeking. You're knocking. You're uh, uh, hungering and thirsting after righteousness. This is proof that you are genuine. But how often and so sadly, uh, okay, it's time to pray. Let's get through this so we can watch more TV. And yet we think God just kind of winks at that. What do we do? We grieve the Holy Spirit when we do that, do we not? It grieves the Spirit when we're not pouring out our hearts to him. Uh, somebody were to come to your door, and this happened quite a bit during the Depression, according to my grandmother, uh, who lived through it. Uh, knock, knock, knock. Somebody would be standing there shivering in the cold and say, do you have an old coat or a blanket that, that I can have to, to, to keep warm? Uh, well, let me pray for you, brother. I pray, God, that you would bring this man a coat or something warm to put on. Okay, God bless you. See you later. Slam the door. Is that genuine love? Is that sincerity? Is that? No, absolutely not. That's not living out. So somebody says we not only practice, need to practice what we preach, but we need to practice what we pray. If you pray, Lord, send me someone that I can minister to. 
That's a great prayer. But then somebody knocks on your door, be warm. You're not, you weren't sincere when you actually prayed that. Lord, use me. Lord, use me. Boy, you better watch out what you pray for because somebody's going to come up usually right after that and ask you to do something that you're not comfortable with maybe in the church or otherwise. Secondly, he does this, Paul does, I think, in this prayer to encourage us. He encourages all of us. It encourages me when you come up, Ashley, one of the, when she's not here and I can talk about her, but the first thing she said when she was here and she came and says, oh, I just love this church. And she says, I'm going to be praying for you. Wow, did that encourage me. That was like a breath of fresh air. And the next Sunday she came and said, I've prayed for you this week. And I said, I felt it. In my studies, I felt it. Wow. How would you like for St. Paul, if you lived back then, to come up to you and say, Dicey, I'm praying for you. You'd have gone, Whoa, the great St. Paul is praying for me. But you know what's even greater than that? Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. There's somebody greater than St. Paul praying for you right now. Everybody else can forget praying for you, but I have one who has ever lives to intercede. Wow. Oh, there's nobody. There is no God who is that great. That That's what the Bible tells me. And I believe it because it's true. He ever lives to intercede for us. And then Paul here, we see many of his prayers were full of affection. Where he said, beloved or dear ones, uh, always remember you in my prayers. Things like that. Uh, we need to be more like that. I love the book of Philemon. It's a little book. You can't say chapter 1 because it's only, it's so short. But he says, I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers. See, he loves them. He thanks God for them. Because I hear about your love for all his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of all Lord's people. Wow, may that be true of us, huh? Paul loved these people. I want you to know I love y'all. I may sound, you know, kind of, but I really do. I love y'all. Every one of you. Some of you are kind of hard to love. I might not like you very much. No, no, and I do. 
But, you know, this, this is genuine love we're talking about here. And Paul loves these people. And God knows whether we love people or not. And he loved them, praying for them, even in prison here. Uh, why do we have prayer requests before the message? It's so we can pray for one another. Know what our needs are and pray for one another. Uh, I think you need to be asking people, how can I pray for you this week? And then pray for them this week. You know, we go up to Christians, how you doing? Fine. How you doing? Oh, I'm fine. Good to see you. Good to see you too. Bye. And that's sad. How are things going, brother? Uh, can I pray for you about anything? Matter of fact, let me pray for you right now. Lay your hands on them and pray for them right there. We went to a church and you could go in the back of it and there'd be 10 or 15 people out there in the foyer with hands on praying for each other. And that's what the church is all about. It's seeing the needs and, and loving. And Now, I'm not saying I want next week 15 people to be... No, as God moves you, don't, don't just say, okay, there's something, something else we need to do. But if God leads you in that way, do it. See what I'm saying? There's a, there's a great difference in, uh, in that. But we need to be active. God can use shut-ins, uh, people who cannot go to church, that, that are bedridden or whatever. He can, they can be used by God in prayer. Amen. And then thirdly, Paul reveals these things to them as an example. Paul has given us an example of what prayer really looks like. Here we find these prayers inspired by the Holy Spirit. Paul is speaking the mind of Christ to us. It's inspired, remember that. But we can pray this same way, even though... Our prayers won't be perfect like this prayer is without error, inspired by the Holy Spirit. But we too can have the mind of Christ in our prayers. This is what Christ would have us pray. What are a few characteristics about this prayer? Uh, notice this prayer particularly is God-centered. God-centered. In uh, verse 14 we see Paul's dependence on God. What does he say? For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. Now, whether he actually got on his knees, I don't know. I think he means I'm bowing my heart, my life. And whether you get on your knees or not, you can get on your knees and not come before God with a broken and contrite heart, okay? Okay. So I'm not talking about the physical thing here, but what he's saying is I'm bowing my life. You can bow your head in prayer and not be bowing your head. Because man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. And then he says, you're working by your mighty power in verse 16. He says, this prayer magnifies the love of God in Christ. He attributes to God all power and all glory forever and ever. Do you see his God-centeredness in this prayer? 
And then notice how balanced it is. We have here God who is transcendent. He is reverent. He is, he is to be hallowed. He is so far above us. He is our Father. And yet, He's our Father. Abba Father, Daddy Father. He is a Father that is transcendent, and yet we can come to Him as needy children. Wow. So we see the balance between that and His prayer uh, before God. Notice also in verse 15 a phrase, the whole family on earth and heaven uh, get their name from the Father. I think what he's doing is referring back the whole family, that is now the Jews and the Gentiles are together, one family, come from one Father, that God is creator. He is, uh, uh, loves the creature, and we're all now one family. Also notice the Trinitarian nature, the Trinity in this prayer. In verses uh, 14, he says, I bow my knees before the Father. In verse 16, through his spirit in the inner man. In verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your heart. And at the end of his prayer, in verse 20, now to him, that is the Father, uh, according to the power, that's the power of the Holy Spirit we learned above. And then verse 21, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. Three times he mentions the Trinity in this prayer. You know, when we come to God, we can come uh, and, and address Father, but we can, we can also address the Son and the Holy Spirit Amen. because they're one. God the Father, God the Son, and Holy Spirit. And we come through Jesus uh, to the Father through the power of the Holy Spirit. This is what Paul is telling us. This is how we should pray. Uh, through the merits of the Son, with a humility and reverence for who God is. And uh, let us never forget that. And then he says, notice, for this reason. What reason is that? It's for all that he said before, which is about doctrine. For this reason, I bow my knees. All this wonderful truth that he has been expounding, uh, calling, regeneration, adoption, all of these great terms, justification, all of these things, Paul says, I bow my knees when I just think about how awesome you are, God. All your attributes, who you are. Did you know that true doctrine will warm you to praise God? True doctrine will warm your heart to praise Him. And I believe that's true. Do you pray like this? And Spurgeon used to say, you can tell by uh, how a man prays what he believes. And I think that's right. He said he won't lie to God. He may tell somebody else something, but when he prays to God, he doesn't pray like this. I'm so glad that I'm smarter than the next guy. I'm so glad that I made a decision 
for you when everybody else is so blind and, and I saw the light. I was so smart. I repented. I'm glad that I had a part in my salvation. You ever hear anybody pray like that? I've never heard anybody. What, what is it when we come to God and bow before him? Thank God you saved a wretch like me. This worthless worm who hated you was shaking his fist in your faith. You had mercy on. See, that's, that's coming to God with sincerity and praise, giving him all the glory. Do we do that in our prayers? What did this, how did the psalmist put it? Psalm 40, which I love. I've, I've got this memorized, but he says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me. He turned to me and heard my cry. He, notice the he in this psalm. He lifted me out of the slimy pit. He lifted me out of the mud. He lifted me out of the mire. He set my feet on a rock, and he gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Wow. He, 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 he. Not me, 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 me. Do we give him the praise? This is what Paul is doing here. Notice how spiritual Paul's prayer is. He never asked for anyone's healing physically. Matter of fact, I'm not sure in all of his epistles if where he prays for somebody to be healed physically. I'm not saying that he didn't pray for that because I know he did. Matter of fact, he even prayed for his own physical healing and God said, no, my grace is sufficient. But I'm just saying here for sure, and, and, and I'd like to know if you can find a place where he, he says, and I pray for so-and-so who broke their arm. But what is he concerned about? Their spiritual welfare. Their spiritual welfare. We need to set our priorities in our prayer. What did Paul say in 2 Corinthians four sixteen through 18? Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly, physically, we are wasting away. Did you know that? Do you, do you feel that? Yeah, I think so. Yet inwardly, we are being renewed day by day, spiritually, inwardly. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary and what is unseen is eternal. See, your spiritual heart is what God and Paul is concerned about. You know, it, it seems sometimes we, uh, we pray as though if the person doesn't get healed physically, that we've failed. We haven't failed. People die. People you pray for are going to die. Lazarus was raised from the dead, but he died. Okay? What am I looking for? A glorified body. That's what I'm looking for. Uh, I'm not saying don't pray for healing. 
people prayed. We prayed for our daughter's eye to be healed, and God miraculously miraculously healed it. I have no doubt about that. But we need to keep our priorities straight. Uh, Sometimes we're almost praying to God uh, to uh, praying for the healing and uh, which keeps them out of heaven. You know, it's kind of weird, isn't it? I mean, heaven is the place we're heading for, and yet we pray for them not to go there. Heal them, Lord. But what we're doing is saying, you know, keep them from heaven. We need to say, take them, Lord, so that they can go and be with you if they know the Lord. I mean, that's what I wanted in the hospital. If you had to put... Uh, to go home or to stay, I'd have pushed to go home. I was ready, and I'm ready now. I could die here of a heart attack, and I'm not saying I hope I do, uh, but I'm ready. Uh, and it's not because of me. It's because of Christ in me. In uh, uh, Actually, that was supposed to be Philippians 1. 23 and 24. He says, He says, I am hard pressed, Paul says, from both directions, having the desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is very much better. Yet to remain on in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Paul was ready. And we need to be ready. And uh, he is praying here for their spiritual strength. We need to be praying for other spiritual strength. I says also that Christ would dwell in your hearts by faith. Dwelling means someone who takes up residence to stay. That's what we want is Christ to dwell in us, to stay, uh, to grow in the grace in being conformed to the image of Christ. And then he says that they would be filled with all the fullness of God in verse 19. That their cup would overflow with joy and that they would rejoice in the blessings that God has blessed them with. And then fourthly, Paul reveals these things for us so that we might examine our lives. You know, we need to examine our prayers. I do. You know, a prayer is not just, and it's a wonderful prayer, but just repeating the Lord's Prayer. Now, you can say the Lord's Prayer and meet it in your heart, but I remember in the Episcopal Church, we would do the Lord's Prayer, and I'd read it, and I'd go, I just read it. I didn't, I wasn't, I didn't know what it meant. I didn't mean it in my heart. But you can say, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Because his name is to be hallowed. He is a holy, righteous, good God. And so when we pray, we need to be sincere. And and our hearts just need to be filled with all the fullness of God as we pray. And he had how shallow it is. We need to examine uh, uh, our prayers. 
and not just repeat them from rote memory. But we need to be, as he says in verse 17, to be rooted and grounded in love. Rooted and grounded in love. Rooted is an agricultural term. Rooted and then grounded is a foundational term. We need to be rooted and grounded in love. Do you desire that your desire for Christ, your love for Christ would grow? Do you desire that your love for your wife would grow? That your love for one another would grow and grow and grow because it never stops? We need to be filled with the fullness of God. And his loving for us. Now, I think this is incredible here. Paul is talking about we need to understand more fully of Christ's love for us. Not so much our love for him because sometimes, some days, I can't even find my love for him. But his love for me never stops. And he says here, what is the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height? of that love it cannot be measured you can't even comprehend I can't even comprehend such love what is the breadth what's the breadth of it to all the nations and all peoples on the earth wow that's a gracious God there'll be from every tribe and nation a believer how long how long It reaches throughout all eternity. It will never cease. How deep is it? Reaching down to save a wretch like me. That's how deep it goes. To the depth of my sin and misery, Christ suffered for me. To the height. The height is we have been brought into this family of God. We have been exalted and one day will be in heaven. That's how high it is. What do we desire most? What do we what what priorities are there in our lives when it comes to prayer? Our prayers can be so self-centered, so much about us that we can forget God. Matter of fact, uh, it's kind of like God needs our advice. We need to tell him what we need. Lord, I need this. And No, he already knows what you need. Our prayers need to be more filled with who he is, his love for you, uh, uh, that, that your faith would grow. Pray for your spiritual being more than your physical being. And I'm not saying don't pray for your, and I will continue to do that. And I want you to ask for requests and not feel like I'm saying don't ask for requests. No, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is Paul here is, is emphasizing what's really important. What is the priority? It's not physical. It's spiritual, you see. And so that's what it's, that's what it's all about. Uh, according to the riches of his glory. 
the riches of his glory. Verse 16. You know, our God is not stingy. We have a generous God, he says. We can come with confidence. We can come boldly before him. That we would all be filled with the fullness of God. He says, wow, that's for us. So let me urge you not to be so concerned so much with the temporal stuff. The stuff that Paul says is going to be burned up. It's going to be disappearing. Uh, lay not up for yourself treasures on earth. If we could just, if we could just comprehend more and more of who God is and his grace that has saved us because it is by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that we are saved. And without that grace, we would be lost. So we need to come to God with large petitions. Why? Because we serve a large God. He is so much bigger. He's so much more powerful. He's so much more wise and loving and caring than you can ever imagine or think. And yet we come to him as, as stepchildren. And we need to come, here, come to him with, with uh, love and because he's worthy to be praised. Listen to what John Newton said as I close. This is John Newton that wrote Amazing Grace, if I'm not mistaken. Right, John Newton, Amazing Grace? Yeah. He says, Thou art coming to a king. Large petitions with thee bring. For his grace and power are such, none can ever ask too much. Isn't that great? We serve amazing God. Let's pray. Father, forgive us for exalting ourselves, for thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. But Lord, I thank you for this man, St. Paul, that has given us this prayer that we might learn from it, uh, that we might see more clearly how to pray, what you desire from us, which is praise and glory as we learn more and more how to be like your child. God, we need you. We need you, Lord. We need you to humble us. Lord, we would all ask for humbling. We would ask, Lord, that we might die to ourselves and be alive unto Christ. Lord, help us to ask because when we ask according to your will, you hear us. And we know it's your will, O oh Lord, that we would grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ. This is a prayer that you will never fail to, to answer. And so, Lord, may we grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. It's in his name, amen.